So good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody out here this morning. I want to talk to you about being confronted by society. Today, I feel like we are always being confronted with a hostile society. And the problem is man's rebellious nature. It's our rebellious nature, all of us. Uh, society routinely tells us how we are wrong for believing in God, for following God's wisdom and love. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians have been fooled as well. Now, I will call them Christians because they claim Christ, but I, I do believe some are deceived. And this is rebellion from God's morality and partly the victim culture. Everyone wants to be unique and oppressed so they have a story and feel they are special while also having the freedom of no higher authority than themselves. This rebellion and worship of idols or worship of self we're warned about. If we look at Revelation chapter 18 verses 1 through 5, after these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated birth. Now, here in this context, I believe that Babylon does refer to this rebellious nature of men, the rebellious society. Notice demons and foul spirits and every unclean and hated bird, all evil practices and abominations. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So what's this fornication? Well, it's the worship of idols or other gods or self instead of the one true God. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. And this is God's voice. We're being called out of the world's rebellion by God. We still live on this earth, but we can't practice these evils or condone them. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And remember Sodom, remember Gomorrah. Those are the types of things we're talking about here. A big part of this rebellion, a big part of the problem, is the sin of pride. And I have a few verses here. If we look at Luke chapter 16, verse 15, and this is the Lord speaking. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. We look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Then Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I really don't even need to say much of anything about that. God spells it out in these verses. Society is proud of the sickness. It's proud of the perversion and the rebellion. And that's why we see the sinful parades and public displays that we do. Society is basically worshiping at the altar of evil. If we look at Psalm 106, verses 36 through 38, they served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to, to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. People have replaced the idols of Canaan with themselves. They make themselves and their wants, their desires, their idols, and they sacrifice their children for those things. Some parents take their small children to participate in some pretty bad behaviors, to indoctrinate them as drag queens, homosexuals, or transgenders, placing them spiritually and sometimes physically on the altar of evil. And that's if they do not murder their children outright, because that's what abortion is. It is the murder of a child to worship their God, which is themselves, their selfish desires. We should refuse any other word for that. They created the term abortion to make it sound medicinal, clinical. Which then brings us to calling evil good. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And this can apply to so many things we see nowadays. I've seen some on TV degrade the idea that we offer prayers for people and their audience applauds them for it. It just shows their misunderstanding and their unbelief in God. Yet, they claim a child can be operated on to change the child's sex, or that they can use drugs called puberty blockers with no harm to the child. And mind you, there are some temporary uses for those drugs that are good, but these drugs can also have long-lasting, permanent negative effects. They're used... They're used on uh, rapists to what they call castrate them chemically. So it's something to be aware of. Society and some parents promote scarring and maiming these children. And they, the children, are paying the price for these sins in a very real way. Some parents do this for their own gain, maybe to write a book, maybe to get some fame for a limited amount of time. And it's no wonder that God said his people die for a lack of knowledge. Because only in ignorance can we fall for these lies. 
Yet society claims they are morally correct and wise over the facts and over God. We need to be aware that our government is consumed with a lot of these ideas right now. They are not acting very Christian if they are Christian at all. They are actively working against God's values. Some claim to be Christian or spiritual, and they like to say God or mention God when it suits their political need. Unfortunately, that's like a lot of politicians seem to be. Be aware, not all conservative values, as some will say they are, are Christian values. Our first allegiance is to the Lord, not to a political party. Even though they bring politics into this, and, and there is going to be some mention of that, but not I'm not pushing political agendas. Neither party is immune from these practices, these things they do when they think it benefits them. Congress could have passed a law at any time in the past 50 years to prevent the murder of children, to close the border, which would help close the uh, drug trade that comes across the border, and other abuses of families and children. Both parties have had their chances to change these things and to do something about it, and they've conveniently failed to do that. Society wants control of Christians. They want us to accept their lies, repeat them, and believe them. They want to force us to acknowledge their lives as truth. They want us to bow at their idol of perversion and say it's okay. All of the homosexuality and all the transgenderism and all the drag queen things we see, the lewd and vulgar displays over the media and parades, and even in schools. They want us to be quiet. They want us to go along, to get along. But we can't give in to that, even though there are some that have already. Do you remember the three guys in Daniel? Their names are difficult for me to pronounced sometimes, and when I was a kid, I wrecked those names so bad. But these guys, everyone else bowed. Everyone else fell for this, but they didn't. If we look at Daniel chapter 3, verses 15 through 18, and this initially here is Nebuchadnezzar telling them what they need to do. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, Lear and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Likewise, we cannot bow 
to the idol that is being set up before us, that's being presented to us. They think we will bow to it to keep the peace and to be free from harm out of fear. But look at verse 18. Here they say, but if not, if God chooses not to save us from the fiery furnace, we're still not going to serve your gods. And we must be the same. So we know where we're going to go. Society is, we need to be aware that society is vilifying Christians, especially Christians that don't conform. I've heard some talking, maybe on CNN, for instance, in this case, what I'm thinking of, um, talking about uh, this using terms like Christian nationalism, like somehow Christian values and loving your country are somehow a bad thing. You know, we say things like we should sustain and continue our identity as a Christian nation. And, you know, that's what we think of as Christian nationalism, things like that. They're taking that in a very negative way. They promote Christians as ignorant and uneducated. And sadly, even the Christian, the supposed Christian <laughs> media, has fallen and bowed to this. I got, I have some things, some different articles, some different quotes from things that I got from these uh, sources, these media sources like Christianity Today. Uh, they had an article, there's also a class and education distinction here, more common in the lower middle class and more common amongst the population. That does not have a college degree. like. We need to have a college degree to understand life, to understand right and wrong. Do we? Then there's an MSN article, and uh, here they're talking about white Christian nationalism is at the heart of the most radical fringe groups, working hand-in-hand -hand with some GOPers. Now here, like I said, they're going to they're gonna lump us and kind of push us into a political party, but I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying that that applies to us as far as the political thing goes, but you'll notice that they're trying to vilify us. I think Christian right is shorthand for people who hold the ideology that we're talking about. What we've tried to do is steer away from that white evangelical conversation to talk about the underlying ideology called white Christian, and notice they're adding the word white there a lot. The implication there, of course, is that we're all prejudiced, right? And then they, they say that drives support for Trumpism, his brand of politics, and of course, they believe he is evil as well, and they just want to lump us all together in that. That's why I say they bring politics into it. I'm not really bringing politics into it. I'm not interested in that part of it. What I am concerned with and what we need to be aware of is that they are starting to vilify us in the media. We need to be careful. We need to know that. P painting us as being prejudiced. And the National Catholic Reporter, again, supposedly a Christian magazine, right? How Christian nationalism paved the way for January 6th, which we know that's their big thing right now. Again, this is talking about Trump after Trump lost the election. Uh, 
a report from the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, anyway, concluded that Christian nationalism, also referred to as white Christian nationalism, was used to bolster, justify, and intensify the attack on the Capitol. So now white Christians attacked the Capitol. These are just things we need to be aware of. A few other headlines that, that I've seen, uh, one from The Hill, Christian nationalism is thriving, where is the religious left? And the world or society fails to understand that there is no religious left. Yes, there are some people who are deceived and believe, uh, who claim Christ, but also support and believe in these things like abortion and homosexuality, homosexuality and transgenderism. And they may have, they may be religious in a sense of following practices and rituals, but they're not following the heart of God. And then there are some Christians who are silent and afraid. They've already bowed to these idols and they continue to do so even though the Bible condemns it. They want to follow the crowd. They want to be accepted. If we look at this from ABC News, Christian nationalism is on the rise. Again, in some GOP things, they're just trying to throw us into a party. But an interesting quote from this article referring to Christians in, as the evil, as the bad guys, it, is, it, it literally is good and evil this person said, there's no room for compromise, so that is the threat to democracy. And I would say they're right on two things. It is good versus evil. And there is no room for compromising on the truth. But they're wrong about Christians being a threat. Christians are not a threat to our republic, to our government, to our democracy. We are the opposite. We are the biggest supporters. If you look at the uh, NPR headline there, Christian nationalism is still thriving and is a force for returning Trump to power. Again, associating purely us with Trump, I, I have no, you know, from, from a godly perspective, I'm not necessarily aligning us or myself with any one person that I don't really personally know. But anyway, for some reason, they still fear Trump and the idea that he might run again. And because they fear him and they vilify him as the enemy, they want to lump us in with him. And of course, they compare us all to Nazis, though they are the ones killing babies and maiming children. They uh, talk about our beliefs and categorize us as fundamentalists suggesting we're archaic, we're out of touch, we're not realistic. Our beliefs are demonized, and they want us to be ashamed to be a Christian. They want us in the closet, under a basket, to turn our light out. So what do we do? We must shine our light anyway, regardless, maybe even more. We must confess Christ. We must be the salt in the wound. Society is causing its own wound. You know how it is when you get salt in a wound. It burns, it stings, but it shows you you have a wound, right? Well, that's 
That's what we must be. We must be salt in society, in the wound, declaring the painful truth. And we need to understand how the world will react to us, how they will see us. I have a variety of verses here. If we look at Amos 5.10, They hate him who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks with integrity. John chapter 3, verse 19, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Galatians chapter 4, verse 16, and this is Paul, and I always think this is kind of humorous, so have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Unfortunately, it's, it's humorous, but it's true. When we tell people the truth, sometimes it makes them our enemy. John chapter 15, verse 18, the Lord is telling us, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. In other words, we should not be surprised, right? Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, you will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Now, I know that we do not want to be hated. We don't want to be enemies to others. And for our part, we don't have to be, but they may see us that way anyway. But Jesus tells us that it will happen. Next, we, we can't accept the lies. We need to remember what John said, for one, we cannot be friends with the world. But two, we have some other verses here. If we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> kind of goes with what we're studying in Second Peter. Knowledge of God, we need to renew our minds and be transformed with the knowledge of God that we may prove what is good and acceptable and not be deceived, not be led astray. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul wants people to be saved. He does not want them. He wants, he wants his labor to not be in vain. He wants people to be saved through his teaching. We need to remember to trust God and not fear society. If we look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 25 through 28, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, Preach on the housetops, 
And do not fear those who will kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And a few verses down, the Lord says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But he who denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And notice what the Lord did not do. You'll notice what Paul did not do when they were wrongly accused, wrongly jailed. They did not offer violence or threats or anger. They trusted in the Lord and spoke his word telling the truth of the Lord. Finally, there is good news. We are actually making a change, making some differences, and it's being reported in weird ways. NBC News here, this was actually uh, from 2019, and there was a video that went with this, uh, but it was kind of funny. Why are there so many more crisis pregnancy centers than abortion clinics? They do not understand why more people are trying to save babies instead of killing them. And I'm sorry, but I, that, that whole idea is kind of backwards and humorous, but this is the way they presented this in a, as if the pregnancy care centers were somehow evil and wrong. And uh, we have a similar thing here in Wayne County, but uh, these centers are there to help women realize that they do have other choices. They have choices other than killing their baby. Many times these centers also help supply and support women and their children after they've given birth. They help the family get started a lot of times. They are nonprofit organizations with a compassionate mission to help women and children who are vulnerable to being pushed into abortion. And these centers tend to be mainly run by Christians. They do not offer abortions, and they do not make referrals to abortions. And that's what some of these people were offended by. And I've put up other things on Facebook where certain uh, Congress people are offended by that. And I, I guess they'll just have to be offended. Primarily, this report was intended to be negative towards these centers because their stance, a lot of times, the media that we know of, uh, stands for the killing of babies. But anyway, uh, they were trying to paint these centers as something deceitful that somehow should be illegal. But in the end, to their maybe to their credit or maybe going against their very story, they showed two ladies who were helped by these centers and who had actually kept their babies and had their babies, and they really appreciated the help they received from one of these pregnancy care centers. So... They were kind of fair, even though they started the report out very negatively, and at the very end, they had just a little bit of fairness there, and they kind of showed that. I mention this because we are saving lives in our efforts as Christians, even here. Yes, we're saving souls, definitely, but we're also saving some lives. And Roe versus Wade has been overturned, which means hopefully we'll get to save more. 
And I think that makes a lot of things worthwhile, makes all of this worthwhile. All right, so I know a lot of this is uncomfortable to talk about. People don't want to speak up, but we have to talk about it until it changes or until the Lord comes. We have to be aware of it. We have to know what's going on. We have to we have to be against it and fight it in our own peaceful, godly way. We can't let the world shape our beliefs. We must help society see the truth and shape the world around us. There's about three billion people who claim to be Christians. And how many are actually on the narrow path, the hard path? If we read what the Lord says in Matthew 7, verses 13 through 15, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because, the narrow, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. How many are deceived by society's false teaching? And this is how serious it is that we not be deceived. The next, uh, well, a few verses down, the Lord also says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." Following Jesus is not always for the faint of heart. It's not easy. It can be very challenging. But it's also the most rewarding thing in this life. So, in closing, if there's anyone here not sure if you're on the narrow path, struggling with any issue or any problem, if you would need any prayers, or anything that we can assist you with, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.